The following contains plot spoilers, and the comments and opinions expressed herein are for entertainment and commentary purposes only and may not reflect the actual opinions of Geeks Radio or the individual hosts. So don't get mad, it's just a show. I close my eyes, only for a moment, and the moment's gone. All my dreams pass before my eyes a curiosity. Dust in the wind. All we are is dust in the wind. This is Totally Super. All we are is dust in the wind, dude. Dust. Wind. Dude. Um, welcome to our, uh, welcome to Totally Super Podcast, the podcast where we review every single super mo- superhero movie ever made. My name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And we're doing something a little different. This is, I think, the first, this is the first Totally Super uh, where we are taking a second episode to discuss a film. Um, it's worth noting that the film we're discussing is Avengers Infinity War. And if you're tuning in for the first time, um, it's worth going back to our last podcast because this is really... Um, imagine that our last podcast was a completely encapsulated podcast on its own mm-hmm. that is perfectly valid on its own, um, but it's not really complete. <laughs> uh, and this is the second more uh, more toned down, maybe a little more, a uh, little less excitable and fun podcast that deals with the aftermath of last week's podcast. For, for most um, other superhero films, the, one podcast would have been enough. But come on, this is Avengers Infinity Wars. We knew we were going to need more for this. Yes, this is Avengers Infinity War Part 1 podcast. And <laughs> yeah. this is Part 2 podcast, but we should name it something else. Yes. We'll go back and name it something we, we, in a we year. We really feel like when the, we find we, out what we really the, feel the story of this podcast is different enough that it doesn't really warrant a Infinity Wars podcast part two. <laughs> so um, so it's been uh, as of the time of this recording, the date today is May 3rd. Uh, it has been um, just about a week uh, almost since uh, we have seen Avengers Infinity War for the first time. I walked out as did you. Uh, I walked out saying five stars. Mm-hmm. It was astounding. It was a marvel. Um, my my opinion uh, is mostly the same, but has been tempered somewhat uh, over the week. How's your experience been just personally? Pretty much the, the same week, I, uh, as you've pondered the film. I unfortunately have not had a chance to go back and see it a second time yet, though. I really want to. So nor have I. Uh, so without without that benefit, I would say my rating is still five stars for it. Um, the uh, it is it has been fascinating to watch the impact that this film has had in particular, the ending that this film has had across social media and, uh, in the geek community. Um, I am for one thing, I, uh, I am absolutely delighted by the number of memes that have been cropping up, uh, in regards to this. Uh, once one of the things I love the most about, uh, about the internet community is our ability to take anything and really make some clever light of it. Uh, there is a website out there currently called didthanoskill.me, which you sign into it and it will tell you whether you are dead or alive. I'm pretty sure it works just like as soon as you sign in, a random number generator decides whether you one of the lucky 50% or whether you are, as Kansas said, dust in the wind. Um, did you live or did you die? Yes, exactly. Uh, there is uh, a... No, face- did you live or oh, did, did I you live? die? Oh, I was spared. <laughs> Uh, yes. thankfully. Yeah. Um, oh, good. I'm there glad. was uh, and because I was spared, I was therefore able to go onto Facebook and mark that I was safe from Thanos. Um, I don't <laughs> think that was an actual Facebook thing. I think somebody just put that together, but that was brilliant. Uh, the actual moment, funny. 
the moment of the great culling uh, I have seen on the internet either referred to as the snapshare, which is brilliant, uh, or the snappening, which I think also applies no. quite well. Um, uh, see, this and this um, this is something that honestly we would not have been able to get twenty years ago. Not just the enjoyment of a film, but this sort of aftershock enjoyment of watching people take ideas from the film and riff on it and just be just generically clever. Uh, it's a real, it's a real delight. Uh, so my hat is off to you, geek community. Well done. Well done. I want to apologize to anybody, by the way, hearing uh, the chaos outside my house right now as we record. Uh, the uh, people outside are doing yard work. Um, so uh, I, what I mean to say is that Thanos has attacked um, and there are many <laughs> battles going on. I watched uh, last night the most recent episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And in it, uh, someone says, well, have you seen what's going on in New York? And the response was, I try not to watch the news. And that's all they said. And I had a real problem with it. That's... They had a real issue. And and it begs the question, what do they do with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? More than any of the other Marvel shows, um, uh, like Daredevil and Jessica Jones and stuff, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is directly tied to the Avengers universe. Yeah. It has got a character hmm. from the Avengers and Clark Gregg. They have, the show has turned on a dime after Winter Soldier happened. You've had the aftermath of Thor the Dark World in it. Lady Sif has shown up in it. There's been direct um, implication from the films to the show, never in reverse. It has never been that anything in the in the show ever affect the, affected the films. And there are legal mm-hmm. and personal battles going on between the two um, where, uh, where Marvel film does not get along with Marvel TV. But that oh, being said, there has been a supposed synergy between the Marvel films and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. The fact that they just said what's going on in New York... I'm going to assume that they're just talking about a stock market crash or something before they before I am have it confirmed that what is happening is that there's a giant battle in New York. Because how long is this film? How long is Avengers: Infinity War? How how long would you say the film takes place over the course of? Um, probably only a couple days, if that. Yeah, if that, right? I mean, I don't yeah. see anyone hurting for food. Mm-hmm. Like no one's. No one's got to change. There's no, you know, beard growth isn't happening. I get the sense that this film takes place over the course of like 30 hours. Yeah. Like if that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, so definitely it is a short enough time that, uh, without knowing the angels of shield episode. Um, yeah. If they don't seriously address it by next episode, then it, that's clearly a choice to just ignore it. Well, and, and, I would be almost okay with that or have that happen at the end of the season or something like that. Um, I would be almost okay with it, except that they reference this thing happening in New York, mm-hmm. which I assume is a reference to what's going on. The yeah. other problem that you have is the Marvel timeline gets all messed up at this point in that this film has been released and the trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp clearly does not take place in a post-apocalyptic hellscape. Mm-hmm. It clearly, you know, is like another heist film and is not, you know, half the you know, population of the earth has disappeared and yeah. earth is left in shambles. That's clearly so not either, what's so happening. So it either takes film. place before the events of Infinity Wars or somehow post the events of the next Avengers film, which I th- next year. I'm actually going to say is probably not likely at all um, because that would give away certain aspects of the next Avengers film. 
And what do you do at the end of this comedy? Like Ant-Man and the Wasp looks really funny. It looks really fun. But is your post credit scene going to be Ant-Man and the Wasp are there in a tight embrace and suddenly the Wasp fades away to dust? <laughs> that would be amazing. Like that, like, <laughs> oh like, my gosh, that would be you awesome. You can't just do that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, Captain Marvel, the next film, is going to take place during the 90s mm-hmm. with a young Samuel L. Jackson and Clark Gregg back as Agent Coulson. Oh, that's awesome. Um, uh, so so that's a prequel. So how do you deal with this on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? It's something that really I don't know how they're going to do it. I'm very curious mm-hmm. to see how they place this in the timeline. If they just want to say this was a year ago, but I don't get the sense that this was a year ago because they've made veiled references to the events of Civil War. Well, here's what I and think is happening. Does is this we take have, place? We have finally yeah. reached the... We've talked a lot about how ambitious the Marvel Cinematic Universe is by tying in not just films, but television and uh, you know, and just basically trying to create one seamless universe. Um, that is a lot easier to do when all of the battles, even the big world-saving battles, have relatively short-reaching consequences. Um, you know, it, essentially, every hero, for the most part, played on their own field and occasionally popped over to a neighbor's field to help out. Um, Infinity Wars shatters all of that. Uh, so I think what they might be reaching here is they have reached the limits of how well they can... Um, they've reached the limits of how well they can interconnect everything without seriously damaging individual storylines, uh, which, to be fair, is something that because the Marvel the, and what the limit what the limit is is that you can't have a a disastrous uh, cliffhanger last over the course of a year. Yes, that especially in a movie that that has almost everyone in it mm-hmm. like there's no way to say like when civil war happened it was very easy to have thor ragnarok or black panther because frankly didn't really have anything to do with them they could yeah. happen on the side but let's say civil war had been avengers infinity war part one you could not have had thor ragnarok or black panther except in the wake of avengers infinity war nothing can come after it until the next film yeah because unless now, it's it, just, just directly dealing with you know evil now, hellscape here's the thing that what we might be dealing with is of course we're um you know the next avengers film in terms of the chronology of the marvel universe could take place like literally the day after avengers infinity war finished it's just a year the to moment our after per- it could yeah the moment it could after literally it's be- just a year to <laughs> our perceptions um so how cool would it be if they really did have it take place like like five years later? They went like Battlestar, Battlestar Galactica and you got to see the world in shambles after this and the reset. That would be cool. I mean, that would be ballsy as like, hell. I would kinda, I, like if you want... If you want to feel the impact of what has happened, and yet you know you're going to reset, there. Let's let's talk about that because yeah, actually that's um, a good point. Because by I the think way, at this point, it's kind of assumed there's going to be a re- like everyone just sort of assuming. Oh, there's going to be a reset of so- to some degree. There has to be the Black Panther two and Spider Man two are both like greenlit and filming. They they're mm-hmm. happening. So yeah, they're not they're not going to be without T'Challa and Peter. It's not mm-hmm. going to be how it goes. Yeah. 
Um, so the, so I guess what you can have is you like, like you could have it be, it's five years later. The world is in disarray. The remaining Avengers are together again. The Avengers are a thing and they just can't hold it together. Alien races are showing up like to pick off the scraps. So just the mm-hmm. world is in, in it's bad. It's yeah. bad. And then, and then the way to deal with it is to hit the reset button, but at a cost, maybe the cost is that. Everyone who lived has to die. That would be an interesting cost to have, to reverse it, to go soul for a soul. Okay, we want if we want our universe back, then we the survivor. But you can't do that either because that's still yeah, half no. the, huh? Now, what you what could do, you do is, I mean, whether you, you're a writer, go. <laughs> all right, so let's see. Uh, certainly, if you reverse things that happened, say, a year ago, if you, if you basically want to roll back the clock to a year earlier, what that means is one of the sacrifices that the heroes can make is any good things that have happened to them in that year, maybe love relationships that have blossomed or stuff like that. It's recognizing, oh, all of that is going away. Um, they've done that in certain sci-fi shows huh. before. Uh, that sense of for the sake of the world, this wonderful thing that's happened between the two of us, this might not happen. We're just going to have to have faith that this was meant to be and that will happen even if events go differently. Um, I, you know, I like the idea of starting things in sort of the post-apocalyptic state uh because i I really like what you said during the last podcast uh the final five minutes of infinity wars it's not that we felt the loss of the characters but we we empathized with the characters because they were clearly feeling the loss and doing the uh you know and taking it a year further and then seeing just what has happened to these characters because of that great epic failure um, it's a neat sort of what, uh, oh, just a second. Sorry. Kaylee, give me the squeaky toy. That is my dog. Um, it the is dog a, is a big fan of Adventures of Infinity Yeah, she, War, she really out. is. She really is with one, with You're one shot. dogs. I got yard work guys. This is a professional podcast. Yeah, just, absolutely. Just clearly we do bear this with so, us today. Um, the, uh, <laughs> uh, I think it would be a cool way to sort of in much the same way as the the Marvel What If comics sort of let us explore what would happen to this character if something had gone differently without long-lasting consequences that permanently change the character. Uh, I think this would be a really great way of doing that. So what if I were to say this? They've kept, they've kept it under wraps what the um, name of the next film is. I'm just going to throw out a name and you tell me your thoughts. Okay. What if it was called Avengers? Because okay, because because they said they said they don't want to let it be known what the name of the next film is because, um, because that name will immediately spoil everything that's happened in this and also give you too much of a clue. So I was trying to think of what name you could give it that would be just the 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 name that would be the worst in terms like of spoiling. The most spoiling. And this name. is what popped into my head. Here we go. Ready? Um, go and then it. we can explain what it means. What if it was called Avengers? Brand new day. Hmm. Are you familiar with the storyline from the comics? Uh, I am not. Okay, so essentially, there was a world after um, Marvel's Civil War multi-crossover event where Spider-Man told the world who he was, and mm-hmm. there were like, bad things came from that, but he was with Mary Jane. Of course, they were married. Their relationship was on the rocks, but then he kind of got it back together, and then it was bad and again, and then Aunt May dies. And when Aunt May dies, Spider-Man basically makes a deal with the devil that he, um, to get her back, 
he has to go back in time and undo basically all the stuff that's happened. Some of it is a reset for Spider-Man so the world doesn't know who he is again. Ah. But one of the biggest resets is that he he has no relationship with Mary Jane, but he remembers uh, that's, that he has it and that, no one else. That is exactly the kind of storyline trope I was just talking about, especially with the double with the double whammy of but he remembers. That is that is some straight up I will remember you Buffy Angel tearjerker right there. Because what that does is that makes it that you've had to deal with the stakes of what's happened. You've had the post-apocalyptic hellscape. You have you've had that. You've seen what happens that that like the deaths matter. They've said these deaths are real, they do matter. So what if the next in the next Avengers film, yes, they do matter. The reset button isn't hit at the beginning. The reset but- button is hit at the end and at great cost. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know I what the cost is going to be, right? Iron Man, Iron Man will not survive. Like we have, we know. I think also I listened to. So I've listened to a bunch of podcasts on this movie since I've watched it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can. I can. I'm guessing that you're taking that, this from a from a meta perspective right now. Well, from a meta perspective, I found out that Robert Downey Jr. was paid for the two films. One hundred million dollars was the cost for that one guy to be in the film. Which okay. is more than the cost of all of the other actors in the film put together. One hundred million to Robert Downey Jr. That's what I that's what one of the podcasts noted. Wow. And it occurs to me that you don't need him anymore. He's great to have, but and he was, you know, he helped launch Spider Man, but Spider Man's his own hit now. And Doctor Strange's Thor did just fine without any uh Tony Tony Stark, as did Black Panther. Did better than any of the other films before Infinity War. You don't need Tony anymore. And that's an awfully expensive guy to have around. His contract is up. He's expressed not wanting to do it. I've also heard Cap might want to go. We've talked about whether or not we think that's mm-hmm. going to happen. But, you know, Tony's whole thing has been, I want to protect the world. I want to protect the world. I need to save the world for when the bad things come. Mm-hmm. So it seems to me that the that the the great cost could be the cost of Tony's life. Maybe Caps too. Although I feel like killing both of them is cheap. I feel so, one of the podcasts I listened to said if one main character dies, it's a tragedy. If the two main characters die, it's a statistic. Hmm. Um, Interesting. So I feel like killing Tony and Cap in the same movie would end up cheapening one or the other one of their deaths. I could see that. Yeah. Um even if they butch and sundance it. Well, I think that I mean you make a um, uh, you make a good meta point for uh for Tony Stark and and you know me. I normally try not to especially when it comes to guessing what's coming next storylines. I I don't like knowing the meta when I can avoid it. Um just cuz I sort of feel like it's part of it is it's in a way it sort of feels like spoiling myself. Uh, you know, there's a little bit of it that kind of feels a bit like cheating. Um, but that being said, that all makes perfect sense. And Tony dying in a big sacrifice in the next film would also really make, uh, make good sense from a storytelling perspective. It would be the culmination of his entire arc. Um, you know, I mean, shoot the arc that, uh, was really mentioned in the first Avengers when Cap said, you know, you've never actually had to put it all on the line and make the hard call. Um, and yes, Tony did that to a certain degree by flying the nuclear missile into space, but this would be a whole other level of that. But um, there was still an out. He still yeah. made his way out of that situation. Mm-hmm. So this is a no win. Absolutely. 
does not work out for him situation. Here's the other thing that the meta knowledge, the way, and I got to give it to the Russos for the way they did this. Everybody knew coming into Infinity War, there were going to be major character deaths and everyone knew, even we knew, 100%, Cap and Tony were going to die. We knew it. So when the body started hitting the floor, especially when Tony gets stabbed, you're like, yep, here it comes. Bye-bye, Tony. Bye-bye, Cap. And who survives? They played mm-hmm. with our knowledge of it. We had the meta-knowledge that they were going to die and they were like, hey, guess what? Yeah. So, so it- I, I... Go on. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, clearly you, you you had a deep thought. Enlighten me. Um, my point was that having the meta knowledge and not killing the characters you expect make it so that when the other characters start dying, you are surprised that mm-hmm. then when Tony and Cap lives, now you have the breadth of hope in the next movie. Maybe one of them live. Maybe the other one will live. I don't think they will kill both of them in the same film, and therefore. I won't know which one of them it is that is going to go. Or if they do kill them both, it could be. I mean, I just I don't know. Um, And I think the fact that they let them live. There's a great thing that Steven Spielberg did in the first Jaws movie, which is half the time the characters who are being chased by the shark in Jaws live. Mm -hmm. They make it out. And suddenly that makes when the music comes and the shark is coming, that makes it that scare that much scarier because it's not like when Freddy shows up and you're like, ah, time for another death scene. No, mm-hmm. no, no. This is you don't know. And not knowing what's going to happen is the essence of tension in a thriller. Very good. So point. I don't know who's going to die next time, but I think that by letting us feel that it was definitely going to be Cap or Tony, Cap or Tony, and they both make it out this time, I mm-hmm. feel like all bets are off next yeah. time it could be both could be neither and that ratchets up the tension for me it's not going to seem like a perfunctory thing that has to happen when one of them die mm-hmm. so yeah i want to uh um i want to get back to just talking about the film it's uh to the infinity wars itself uh real quick but my final uh prediction uh for the next film just sort of going along what you were taking is let's say uh so cap or tony are going to die or maybe both the way that you can make both of them happen and work and it not be a statistic is either you kill one halfway through the film uh, and then you kill the other one uh, towards the end um, so that each one gets a, you know, each 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 death is a climax in and of itself. Because, you know, every in most good films, you're going to have many climaxes throughout the film uh, to keep the tension building. Uh, the other way to do it is... And let's be clear, as much as I'm a fan of Joss Whedon and the way he takes care of death and the and the big surprise death and the way even this the Infinity War took, you know, the deal with Loki and even, even Gamora, mm-hmm. I think that given that Cap and Iron Man both had their own trilogy of films, you don't kill them with a nope. sudden boom, they're dead. You don't. Nope, that, would, to, that, would be to, guys, uh, to bo- that would be to borrow a phrase of yours, unforgivable from a storytelling perspective. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they are. No, they, they yeah, that would I'm be s- uh, um, the, the other way that you could do it is especially because Cap and Tony have sort of been at odds. I mean, shoot, even at the beginning of infinity war, uh, you know, Tony is saying, yeah, we, we really don't talk that much anymore. Like at all um, is you have them do essentially a, a Butch Cassidy and Sundance thing where they both go down together. Uh, united in common purpose uh, again at the very end. Like you see sort of the two old friends uh, coming together where like, you know, nothing that happened in the past matters anymore. That could also be incredibly powerful too. Um, 
So anyway, if you were going to kill I off think both of the characters, the case, that's the way that you would you do You have it. to have a reset. I think if that's the case, you have to have a reset on everything. I think Vision needs to come back. Gamora needs to come back. Loki needs to come back. It needs to be... A fu- I am I am okay with a full-on reset of everything that happened in Infinity War if the cost is the two of them together. Yes, it's I would agree. That, that, so, know, if they are together... So, you do, so, so you're talking about a full reset with everyone back and alive and well except Cap and Tony. Yeah, that they, yeah. in order to get back everyone, like... Like, because what, like, what the hell does Thor care if half the universe is back? Most of Asgard is gone. He doesn't know most of them. Loki is his only interpersonal connection. When, when the, you'll notice when the world started disappearing, there was no cutting to Thor being really upset about it. Mm -hmm. Like Thor, you know, it needs to be that everyone gets their wish at the cost. I think that's it. All right. Let's talk about this film because we, we only have so much time. It's a short time yes. today. Uh, like I said, um, we're rushing this one out today because uh, I am in the process of moving. Well, so while I'm moving, I've been listening to many podcasts as I'm lifting mm-hmm. boxes. And many of the podcasts have been about Avengers Infinity War. And here are some of the main thoughts um, and criticisms of the film well, I that would, there have been. I'm just going to lob like go ahead. three three at you and I want to get your I want to get your thoughts on these. Okay. One, that Cap had nothing of value to do in the film and given that Cap is supposed to be a major part of Avengers that he had nothing to do with the film. Two, that the uh that the bombast uh and the amount of people in the film ended up being that everyone got a moment but nobody got a really hefty emotional arc. And because of that, there was no one to invest in. So far, and I can answer all of. Is, so far, I can uh, answer both of those first two criticisms with one question. Let me see if I can do it with the third. Go ahead, give me the third. All right, and 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 the third was it's the one that I that I posted before. There are people that feel that because it's a giant reset at the end, and you know it's going to happen, that the film ends up feeling in, insubstantial at the end. Okay, go. Okay. Um, uh, this will, this question will sort of cover the third criticism, but it'll definitely cover the first two. And the question is this, who is the film's protagonist in this film in, in infinity war one? Yes. Cause this Thanos, is something I yes. think is the protagonist. Th- and that's, that's the big realization I had reading some reviews. Thanos is the film's protagonist. And if you see this as a film about Thanos, where all of the other superheroes are actually, and Thanos is the one with the big honking goal. Um, and if you see Thanos as the protagonist and all of the other heroes as antagonists to his goal, um, regardless of whether these heroes were protagonists of their own films, then suddenly what you get is a sort of anti-hero's journey with, and the fact that every other character only has a moment where they get to be a, do something cool, um, that's fine because how many how many superhero films have we watched where the uh where it's about or really any hero films in general where it is about the hero going on a series defeating a series of obstacles and defeating a series of characters um i mean look at kill bill uh if and this is and you know i'm this is a stretch admittedly but if you if you start from the point of thanos is the protagonist to this film to the same way that the bride is the protagonist to kill bill um then when you know the bride kills off the uh i think it was black mamba the first woman uh you know in the knife fight at at home uh then you can't really say well black mamba didn't really have much of a character arc 
because it's like, well, no, that wasn't her point. Her point was to be on her point was to be on the scene, be interesting, but primarily to be an antagonist for uh, for the bride in the same way. Really, if you see Thanos as not necessarily not the hero, but at least the protagonist of this piece, then it at the very least excuses the fact that all of these other major characters from previous films each only got like their own moment. Um, that being said, so I'm going to I'm yeah, going to counter, this, take, I'm gonna take counter, counter. This, this argument. Okay, yeah. So my my counter to this would be one: if Thanos is a protagonist, then he's a piss poor protagonist. You don't care about him. You don't care about him personally. You care about what happens if he's successful, and certainly he has a mom- moments of emoting. But you are not with him. You are not following him. You're not following. Uh, you know they say that any good. Um, any good story should have an external conflict and internal conflict that come together at the end. You're not the internal conflict of him, even his external conflict. You don't see really him struggle all that much. He shows up, gets a stone, does some shit and leaves. Um, uh, the other thing I would say that is a counter to that, cause you say it excuses this. And I would say this, well, the movie is a called Avengers and B, we spent an awfully long time on Thor opening a a big gate and and restoring his hammer and really the avengers has mm, been mostly about point. cap and tony so for cap for cap to step out of the shadows and you know be cool and do the catching of the spear and look kind of neat but then we get to wakanda and he's not leading anyone in battle he's just kind of there he's just kind cap is okay, just let's, kind let's, of let's there talk about that first in thing this film all right so let's say i agree with you cap is kind of there in that in this film is that necessarily so what is so when you consider the vast tonnage of superheroes that are out there um, and the need for everyone's story to be told, the fact that Cap is just kind of there, why is that a bad thing? There's plenty because of other Cap fi- is part of the, the there, Cap is part of the, the the heart and soul and spine of the Avengers. Is it's Cap Cap and Tony? It's been about Cap and Tony. So he when there's was, an Avengers he, film. He was their, right, to begin. Yeah, and and I agree with you on that. But the thing is, is that like if you're going to have if you're going to have one film about a superhero group, then yes, there's going to be like the big protagonists of the superhero group, and then the white hats. Um, you know, you're going to have the big damn heroes and the supporting crew. Um, if you're going to start doing a series of films, then you need to have, or like in any, you know, uh, like any TV show like Buffy or Angel, um, there were episodes in which Buffy or, an, or Angel were not the main thrust of the episode. If anything, they were just there along for the ride. Um, if you're doing a massive series then every single thing cannot always be about the same big damn heroes. Otherwise, you're just retreading old ground. Yeah, but I think that that the I think it's important to retrend that ground in this case because Cap is part of the like Cap is part of the reason you show up, and I feel like he didn't he he didn't just not have a lot to do. Like I feel like you didn't need um. You didn't need he, You didn't need as much Thor as let's say you got, and I feel like just maybe a moment more for him 
is what you need. I think that maybe a, a moment would maybe have done it because I feel like you didn't even get, you know, in the first Avengers, you got him calling out orders from the street. You didn't need a whole huge storyline, but I did need like two minutes. And I think you could have cut those two minutes from, from Thor's side quest. Okay. I could in see my that. Opinion. I could see that. Like, um, I feel like I, you know, here's the thing. It's, it's like you, it's like you go to, okay. It's like there's in the South in America, you can find um, a KFC buffet and KFC has many wonderful things. And if they keep expanding the buffet and the cool thing is that this buffet has everything on it, that's amazing. But if you show up and there's no, you know, there, there's no original recipe and crispy recipe fried mm-hmm. chicken on that buffet, you're going to feel gonna sort go, of let well, down. I wasn't going to have a ton. I wasn't going to have a ton of either of these, but to have none of it to have you know the sign for the crispy but like you know there's a little couple flakes in there but you've spent a whole bunch of time on the chicken pot pies you know you might go you know one fewer chicken pot pies might have done it for you uh does that make sense yeah it does Uh, it does the uh i mean and there's we could go around the bush on this for hours the uh i mean because ultimately it comes down to uh i i think you're right um cap did not get as much screen time in this um he probably could have you probably could have added in a minute uh of it but also and uh you know, I think it's important to consider we are still technically only seeing the first we're we've just watched the end of Empire right now. Um, we have no idea what's coming in Return of the Jedi. Uh, and especially sure. the fact that That's they fair. especially that they have culled down everything back to the original six. It's entirely possible that Cap is going to get a whole lot more stuff to do in the next one. Now, that being said, you know me, I'm a big proponent of films should stand on their own as well. Um, so, you know, Cap getting more screen time in the next film or getting more story in the next film doesn't necessarily, um, it doesn't excuse Cap getting less in this one, but when we look back on it years from now, it won't feel as bad to us because we'll have seen the whole arc. Um, you know, when we're going back and rewatching them, we'll see, oh yeah, Cap's not featured that much in this one, but oh man, wait for the next. Um, I mean, that's all, that's all Um, just guesswork, but I would say that over the course of the last, um, week, I've softened a little bit on this film. It was good. It was good. I I did really like it. It was cool to see all the things I saw and I do want to see it again, but in the last year, there've been a number of films that have kept me thinking about them afterward, not just like serious, intense films, but like. You know, well, the first one, the most obvious one, you know, the most obvious comparison here is The Last Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. That here is another film, major milestone in a in a franchise with a bit of a down ending that has the characters lose instead of win. That um, that film also got that film also got a five. Jedi. Yeah, that film also got a five star rating from me, by the way. But go on. Yeah, but not from everyone. Um, no. Here's the thing. Oh, I'm still as, thinking as, about the Last Jedi. As soon as this film ended, I knew, um, I knew that there were going to be some people who would be furious with it. Um, and uh, but so I'm not far, seeing I have not the fury. I'm seeing the sadness, but I'm not seeing a lot of the fury. I'm, I'm seeing a what little I am, of the fury. I guess my point is this: is I Last Jedi was in December, and I'm still thinking about it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, frankly, Thor Ragnarok stuck with me longer than. 
than this film. Did. Oh, that's interesting. Because I still I'll be, am thinking more about how that that is a very uh, first. Ahead. That is a very good metric for uh, certainly for if a film is going to be worthy of four and a half to five stars. Um, it's stickiness in your mind is a very good metric. Um, now I will say this film has stuck with me in a big way uh, for the past week or so. Um, the and mostly because it it's what I touched on in the last episode. Um, and maybe this is my it, it came at a very particular time in my life where I felt it was a it was a helpful movie to see, which is it is a film that deals with how do you how do you handle the Kobayashi Maru? How do you handle failure? And if if the effort is made, but success is not achieved does that negate the the worthiness of the effort? Does that mean that the effort is no longer a worthwhile story? And in the abstract, if I ask that question, you know, most people would answer, well, no, the effort's important. Um, you know, the effort is important on its own. But in actual film, in the vast tonnage of especially superhero films out there, um, trying and failing does not happen often. I'm real hard pressed to come up with another one. Um, and obviously the failure is not going to last forever, but for this next, you know, for this next year or however, however, it's kind of nice to, to have a film where it's like, man, they gave it their all and they didn't, um, and they didn't win. And, uh, and and it's I, this is totally uh, this is a stretch a bit, but by seeing that happen in a film, by essentially going through that emotional arc uh, along with them, and then at least for me, you know, looking around and life goes on. Obviously, it doesn't really go on for a lot of the people in the film, but by going through the emotional arc and then realizing there's still something on the other side of that failure, um, it is a strange. Uh, hopeful is not the best word for it, but as Vision said, a thing isn't beautiful because it lasts. If this film were the last stand of humanity, um, you know, against, you know, this inevitable destiny, uh, that Thanos and the Infinity Gauntlet were bringing, um, just watching the fight, uh, that in itself has value. Uh, that's what I've been thinking about this past week anyway, like the realization that, and that land, that would have landed that, that landed much harder for me than had they ended up somehow beating Thanos in the end. Um, this was, well, I think this was new. I think that, yeah, it was, it was new. And I want to get, I want to give that to you that the fact that they, they took you on that journey, um, from a large scale um, is from, from a macro scale is admirable. And I like what they're trying to do here. I guess my thought on it was um, it depends on how much it matters to you, the incredible achievement that they've done to bring all these characters together because, and it did matter to me. I was excited for that. I wanted to see them bring all these characters together. That was part of the reason I, I wanted the film is I wanted to see mm -hmm. them bring all these characters together. But ultimately, because as you said, Thanos is your protagonist and everyone just gets a little tiny moment because there's so much going on. And I'm so happy while I'm watching it, watching all the characters together doing the thing. 
but I am still more emotionally invested with Peter Parker sitting in the back of a car with Michael Keaton driving than anything that happens in this film. Well, I would agree with nothing in this film that what I'm saying is there's nothing in this film that, that, that grabbed me, you know, to grab my heartstrings, you got to touch my heart. And I saw the film and I was amazed by it and odd by it and moved by it. But ultimately when at the end of it, <coughs> I didn't connect to anyone. Well, I think you've uh, first, um, I, first I, per- I agree with you on that. The but I think you've just in, in a sense, you have laid out what in its own way is kind of the obvious. There's a reason why people don't make movies with eight or stories in general with 18 protagonists. It cannot to ex- the exact reason that you've just described. It cannot be done in such a way to emotionally grab you the same as you would with because uh, we can only we can only invest in so many people when you've only got a certain amount of time um, when you've got three hours on the clock you cannot tell the stories of 20 people to the same emotional satisfaction as you could to the to the stories of one or two um, and so I completely well, agree with that, you on that I was gives a lot of credit by the way to it gives a lot of credit to J.R.R. Tolkien who very smartly starts you with one little protagonist and then layers on more people so that by the time you get to Return of the King you can follow 17 different protagonists and there's 17 different stories because they've all layered on and then as much as we complain about the end of Return of the King both in the book and in the movie he peels them back off so at the end you're back to the core that's a nice the way last of looking moment. at it yeah just but the, I the think layering on the starting off, off and just going here Here's everybody. You have two and a half hours go. I mean, I think, I think here's you're a, going to you're well, going to run into that problem. So here's the thing. I think what we're what you're talking about is you've I think what you've just said is the the concept for this. This film was a magnificent experiment. This something like this, I don't think has ever been done before. And I guess for me going in, nope. uh, going in to watch this film in the forefront of my mind already was, well, of course, not a single character is going to get much of an arc in this film. That's not what this film is about. That's not what it's trying to do. Um, so I wasn't looking for character moments as much because I just knew it wasn't going to be a thing. I was I was happy when the little ones did appear because uh, there certainly were a few. Um, you know, um, I got more out of uh, Gamora uh, than I expected to, certainly. Um, but uh, I guess it's... Yeah, I so I guess all I'm saying is I completely agree with you that... Um, there was not nearly as much character, you know, individual character grief or emotion or passion or arc to grab me in this film as you would have gotten from, you know, one of the standalone, uh, superhero films. However, because I, for me, I'd sort of factored that going in and knew that that was not only was that what I was expecting, I was also pretty certain it was an impossibility for them to do anything else. Um, I didn't treat that as as much of a ding uh, against the movie. And I'm not dinging the movie. I want to be clear that my point is not to ding the movie. The movie is still an amazing achievement. It's fun. It uh, It is heavy at times. It's funny at times. It's expertly made. It's wonderfully shot. Uh, Thanos is great, both the CG and the performance. The story is as good as it can be. But I go back to my hypothetical KFC buffet, and I'm going to stretch that out to a Las Vegas buffet. 
in that when you first go to a Las Vegas buffet, it's especially one of the like the, one of the good hotels. It's astounding that every station there is headed by a really good chef. Their Chinese buffet at the at you know at like the MGM Grand is gonna be you know not it's not gonna be like like your typical run of the mill like little buffet. It's like that's gonna be as good as any local Chinese restaurant you're gonna go mm-hmm. to. Every yeah. single one of the stations is gonna be as good as any of them. But here's the thing. I realize that a buffet always seems like a better idea walking into it than it does walking out of it. Yeah. When you walk into it, you're like, I want all this stuff. Look, they've got all the things I want. I'm going to get a little bit of this and a little bit of this. And this is on my plate. And I'm going to get some of this. And you have a great time trying all the different. Oh, this is good. Oh, try this. You'll even go up for seconds to get some of the things that maybe you miss. The side dishes that are like your B-list side dishes that you go, mm-hmm. yeah, I get lettuce. And you, when you get done with it, you're like, oh, it was very satisfying. Certainly satisfying. Wasn't great. It was everything that I expected. It it mm-hmm. didn't fail in any respect to give exactly what I expected it to to so, do. And it, as you said, we said last so, time, we gave us stuff we didn't expect. But so to it, continue with that metaphor, you to what you're and, to continue with that metaphor, yeah. what you're saying is that uh, so even a really good buffet or buffet the the concept of buffet as a culinary experience is going to be inferior in general to uh, a buffet as a, uh, or it, it, as a, a buffet is inferior to say a five course dinner. Um, there's just a matter of con- like in yes. general, all things being equal, you are more likely to leave a five course dinner feeling deeply satisfied um, than you would a leaving a buffet. Um, so and I, the first two Avengers movies felt like five course dinners where mm-hmm. I had, I had tried everything ahead of time and they gave it all to me perfectly blended together. And this time it feels like here's everything you ever wanted. And I loved it while I was having, I loved it the day after when we talked, but now I, you, I can't rate it as highly as some of the excellent meals I've had. It's certainly not in the bottom half of the Marvel movies, mm-hmm. but I you know, I think in years to come, I don't think there's any world where I put this above Spider-Man Homecoming. Um, I don't. Or, or or maybe even above you know, Ragnarok is a is a funny thing because, you know, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It has mm-hmm. very little weight to it. Yeah. But the amount of fun it tries to give you is is you know, I, I think I would put it right along like Guardians of the Galaxy too. Um, that it's, you know, it's really good it really does a lot really well, but it, the, the sheer weight of what it's giving you, the sheer amount of stuff that is shoving in your face makes it less substantial than a story that speaks more closely, at least for me and not for everybody. And I'm not saying that you see, there are times we can watch a film and I can go, you know, you know, you and I, you know, spoiler alert, we've already done the recording for X-Men three, the last stand. Mm-hmm. And and spoiler for that, my opinion of that, I believe, <laughs> is provable as fact. Like my opinion of that, I can go. I, I can go. I'll be honest. I have my what I, have, I think here. I is, have known is, you for. I have known is, you. Hear for, me out. Hear, hear me out. Okay, what I think ahead. here is in every way demonstrably true. That's not what I'm saying for Avengers Infinity War. I think that there is no world where someone... I think that it is demonstrably untrue that this is a bad film. And someone who goes, oh, that film sucked. No, it didn't. You're wrong. It's incredibly well made. The performances are good. Across the board, it does 
well across, like in every way that you could possibly judge filmmaking, it does well, but it is ultimately less satisfying for me than a story that speaks to me more personally. Now, if this becomes like an eight, like if this becomes a blend of those two films together and I can it like part four accents this in such a way that I can do a marathon of the two and get and get the emotional experience, but you have to watch the both to get it, then I might change my tune on it. But for right now, it's it's, you know, probably the bottom of the top 10, maybe number six or seven or eight in in my favorite Marvel film. That makes that makes perfect sense to me. Um, so three things. First, as something for our listeners to look forward to, um, I have known Justin for what going on now, 15 years or so. Um, and uh, uh, more than that, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had thought I had uh, experienced the full depth of his proclivity for rage and taking deep personal offense to bad films. And then he rewatched X3 uh and wow it's uh there's like this whole other layer of you that i'd never even seen before um so you know you all have that to look forward to um the second interest i have a feel we're gonna have a very interesting conversation about star of spider-man homecoming because uh uh confession i have not actually seen it the whole way through i tried now granted i was uh it was not the ideal captive viewing experience i was at home um and so I sat down and 20 minutes into it uh, after th- there was just so much high schooler angst that I had to turn it off and walk away. Not to never come back to it, but just realizing it was just the sense of, oh, man, there's this is a lot of just angst to have to deal with right now. I've got a better I've got better things to do today. Um, I look forward to that discussion. Yeah. I I, now, that, now, here's the thing. I'm that sure that after I see up, there was one of my favorite I mean, everything that people have said about it, Michael Keaton is supposedly phenomenal as a villain. Then I'm sure I'm going to love it. Uh, I just it's funny to me that like my first my first reaction to Spider-Man Homecoming is, oh, my God, so high schooly. Um, uh, the it is the called third homecoming. thing then uh, <laughs> homecoming. Huh? Uh, please, please let the next Spider-Man be called Spider-Man prom. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so overall, I completely agree with everything you said. I think you've, you've encapsulated it perfectly. Um, Infinity War is a buffet and, uh, it's, (laughs) I remember, so in Pennsylvania, in rural Pennsylvania, there is a buffet called the Shady Mabel Smorgasbord, which is, um, it puts, I never thought I could actually say this. It puts casino buffets to shame in sheer size. This is a buffet. It is this massive, like, five-acre building out in the middle of nowhere. It is so much its own destination that it has its own gift shop. Um, people will drive. For, you know, when we when I was working the fair up in Pennsylvania, uh, we would drive 45 minutes on a day off just to have the Shady Maple Smorgasbord experience. Now, here's the thing. Um, if you gave me the option of going to Shady Maple Smorgasbord or even a halfway or even like a good um, restaurant in New York, like a four, uh, let alone a four star, let alone a five star restaurant in New York. I would absolutely say that those restaurants in New York would be better. That being said, the ex- my first experience at Shady Maple was a a surfeit of wonder at that um, of this. I didn't know. 
it was a sense of walking in and saying, wow, I thought I knew buffets. I've never seen a buffet like this in sheer size and sheer scope. And individually, each of the individual um, dishes are delightful. Like, everything is really, really good. I've never experienced this. Now, that doesn't change my overall belief that the buffet is an inferior culinary experience. Um, But I still... I got to give mad props to the Shady Maple Smorgasbord every time because it did something that I didn't think buffets could do. Um, And so for that alone, at least right now, my rating of Infinity War is still going to be five stars. It was um, just, again, I remember I walked out of the theater and the first thing, and Kelly texted me, she said, how was it? And the first thing I texted back was, I have never seen anything like this before. And I still feel that is very true. Um, I think in the grand scheme of things, um, it might, you know, it 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 may very well end up uh, being inferior to some of the other Avengers or some of the other great superhero films because of the inherent flaws of it being a buffet superhero film. Uh, but man, what what an incredible buffet superhero film it was. So we are uh, sort of we've, time has crept up on us. Uh, we have uh, some um, some responses that we've gotten to the Facebook page and stuff like that. I wonder if you had a chance to to aggregate all of them or if you want to hit on those next week or do you have them available? Uh, you know you what? Ready? I think let's go ahead. And since uh, um, I've, we've gotten some responses, uh, not that much of uh, first of all, thank you guys uh, for writing in and posting on our Facebook pages. Uh, please continue to do so. Um, what I want to do next uh, next episode is. Uh, bring up uh, maybe take five to ten minutes to talk about the responses that you guys have sent in uh, over a number of the podcasts Uh, some interesting insights into the crow as well as interesting insights into age of ultron Um, because i think i i was realizing we really have made these past two episodes really about infinity war with which for better or for worse is kind of a historic moment in uh in superhero film history uh I think what I want to do is let's just leave these episodes as is just Infinity War. But that being said, next episode, regardless of what it is that we uh, that we review, uh, I'm going to be taking five to ten minutes to talk about some of the really cool insights that you guys have sent in on some of our previous podcasts. Excellent. Um, well, uh, thank you for joining us on on uh, our two-part Infinity War series. Uh, can't tell you what's happening next week because we've got a bunch of different ideas that we're throwing around. But uh, for those of you who've joined us, uh, please stick around. Go listen to our old podcasts, um, uh, especially like little ones like Dr. Horrible Single on Blog, our first one. We talked about the whole history of superhero movies, which I think is fun to listen to. Um, X-Men's coming up right around the corner, guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably and we got, we got Deadpool um, opening in a few wait. weeks, too. So, Oh, my gosh. We got that in the middle of it, too. Jeez. So much going on. Uh, But for now, my name is Justin. And my name is Arthur. And hey there, true believers. Stay super. Now that you've finished the show, be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode of the Totally Super Podcast. Also, if you like this, you should head over to geeksradio.com or search Geeks Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. There you can find Trek Off, the not-safe-for-work Star Trek podcast with Justin and Alexia. So search for Trek Off, search for Pop Off, search for Geeks Radio, and just thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Enlight Entertainment.